It's an insider trading case playing out like a movie, and the trial hasn't even begun. There's the legendary sports gambler, the champion golfer, the former chairman of a company worth billions. There are the burner phones allegedly used to pass along stock tips, the secret codes, the wiretaps, the gambling debts, and the leaks to the media by an FBI agent now under investigation. Federal prosecutors allege Las Vegas gambler Billy Walters made $43 million on inside tips from Tom Davis, the former chairman of Dean Foods. Walters allegedly passed on those tips to Phil Mickelson, a three-time Masters tournament winner. Here's how former Manhattan U.S. attorney Preet Bharara described the case. When the board member of a Fortune 500 company feeds inside information to a professional gambler who makes a killing on well-timed trades in that very company's stock, that is a form of corruption, corruption of our markets. Mickelson was not charged, but paid back the almost $1 million he made on Dean Food Trades. Our guests are John Coffey, professor at Columbia University Law School, and Adam Pritchard, professor at the University of Michigan Law School. John, Tom Davis has pleaded guilty and is expected to be the prosecution's star witness. And this is a pretty straight case, tipper to tippy, with no middleman. How strong is the prosecution's case? Oh, I think comparatively it's very strong for, for three reasons. First of all, you got the direct testimony of the tipper implicating the tippee. In many of these cases, the government only has circumstantial evidence. For example, in the famous case involving the Goldman Sachs director, Mr. Gupta, all they knew was that there was a phone call between the tipper and the tippee. They were close friends, and the tippee traded seconds later. That's circumstantial. Here you got, this is the second point, that the tipper didn't trade himself. He's pled guilty to a felony. The only reason he would have to do that is that there was illegality surrounding his tip to Mr. Waller. Um, if he didn't think that was guilty, this is not like a case where he's committed a half dozen defenses, offenses and is trying to find one to settle on. Finally, Mr. Waller is a professional gambler. If the jury learns that, I think the jury is likely to believe this guy is very comfortable taking risk, and here at this time he took a legal risk. Okay, that sums it all up, plus the fact that the U.S. government, the Department of Justice, has not lost an insider trading trial in the Southern District in modern memory. They're very good at convincing juries, at least in Manhattan, that insider traders broke the law. Adam, do you agree that the prosecution has an especially strong case here? And if so, uh, does that mean that Billy Walters probably has to testify in his own defense in order to, to, to have a fighting chance? So this is a, a classic insider trading scenario. Uh, Davis and Walters are golfing buddies, and Davis was passing on the information. I agree with Jack that having the testimony of the, the tipper makes the government's case uh, very strong. I expect that the defense lawyers are going to try and uh, muddy the waters, try and beat up Davis on the stand for having taken a plea uh, in exchange for his testimony, and they're going to make an assessment of how credible Davis is on the stand before making the decision about whether or not they're going to let their client testify. Uh, he has uh, a history of uh, running afoul of the law on occasion, and uh, the history of being a gambler suggests that he is a, a risk taker. Maybe the defense would prefer to keep him off the stand if they can, but they uh, may have to uh, 
throw a Hail Mary if Davis comes off as a credible witness. Jack, how often do defendants actually help themselves when they testify? Well, we've seen very few defendants succeed at trials recently. The one case I can think of, which was a civil case, involved uh, a famous basketball owner out there, Mr. Cuban, out there in Texas. And there I think the jury was very sympathetic to him because he was a local hero. Other than that, the norm is that the defendant doesn't take the stand because not only does he possibly get convicted of insider trading, but there could be a follow-up prosecution for perjury, and many judges will add to the sentence if they think the defendant lied. Adam, uh, June mentioned earlier that there are allegations of FBI misconduct here. The trial judge has said the defense may ask about FBI leaks uh, about the investigation to, to two newspapers. Uh, how, if at all, would you see, see that affecting the case? So the defense strategy has to be that they want to show that this is a case of government overreaching and that uh, the government was trying to uh, try its case through the the news. And uh, if the goal is to muddy the waters, then uh, showing misconduct by the FBI agent is uh, a strategy that has a, a good deal of appeal that doesn't involve putting Walters on the stand. It's putting the government uh, on the stand to some extent, uh, showing that they were pushing the boundaries. Jack, about a minute here. There are some clues in the defense papers that they may use the argument that uh, Walters did the research into his stock picks and he was very good at it. How convincing is that usually? Um, it could possibly work in some cases, but here, if you know he's speaking to the chairman, why do you want to do fundamental research into the company's financial statements if the chairman is telling you where the stock's going the next couple of days? And he traded frequently between 2008 and 2014. Uh, if he was just a fundamental trader, he'd be a buy-and-hold trader. He doesn't seem to have been that. We've been talking about the highest-profile insider trading case in years. Yesterday, jury selection started in the trial of Las Vegas legend as a legendary sports gambler, Billy Walters, who's accused of making $43 million on inside tips from Tom Davis, the former chairman of Dean Foods. And we've been speaking with John Coffey, professor at Columbia University Law School, and Adam Pritchard, professor at the University of Michigan Law School. Jack, golfer Phil Mickelson's name is on the list of about 50 potential witnesses. And the judge yesterday questioned the jurors to see if they would be starstruck. And he dismissed a female juror saying the look of rapture on her face at the mention of his name and her repeatedly saying it wouldn't influence her is enough for me. Tell us how a judge makes a decision to dismiss a juror. Is it a gut feeling? Oh, I think it is a somewhat intuitive feeling. Uh, the judge wants to see the jury. They managed to see the jury yesterday. It didn't take long. And he just felt that one person might be a little too close and beholding to a possible star witness. If Mr. Mickelson does testify, it will be devastating in all likelihood for Mr. Waller because now they'll have him straddle at both ends with cooperating witnesses saying that the information came from Davis and that Davis passed it on to Mickelson. And that's going to be a very strong impact with the jury. 
Adam, uh, this is a case that was brought under Preet Bharara um, in the Southern District of New York. Um, he's now now out of a job there. Uh, do you think that's going to affect this case at all, or is it something that the career prosecutors can just uh, handle on their own? Bharara was not going to be in the courtroom presenting witnesses or uh, providing the argument. This is something that the uh, line prosecutors would have been uh, responsible for and, and will be responsible for as the trial unfolds. So uh, a very strong commitment to professionalism among the prosecutors who work in the Southern District of New York, and uh, I'm sure that they are going to be ready to try this case, and I would be very surprised if uh, Barrara's uh, firing had any effect on the outcome. Jack, so the jury was picked. It was seven women and five men. They're going to return tomorrow morning to pick the alternates, and then the the trial will begin. Some lawyers say that the case is won or lost in jury selection. Do you agree with that, and especially in this case? I think it can be lost, but remember, we've seen an awful lot of insider trading trials in the Southern District in New York, and the government hasn't lost one. So it's not that hard to win this kind of case, and there's stronger than normal evidence here. Adam, one name we, we haven't uh, talked about is Carl Icahn, who uh, is also a potential witness in the case. Can you just tell us a little bit about uh, his potential connection to this trial? So the uh, Icahn connection is based on uh, trading that uh, Walters had in Clorox, which apparently prompted the investigation into uh, Walters, and the information would have been conveyed through uh, Davis. But uh, the main allegations are relating to Dean Foods, the company for which Tom Davis was the uh, chairman, and uh, Darden Restaurants, where he was involved with an investor group that was uh, contemplating mounting an activist campaign. So uh, Icon's connection to the case that's going to be presented uh, seems pretty peripheral. And yeah, we have again. We have about a minute, Jack. How important are these insider trading cases? Was it Preet Bharara's emphasis on them that that led to have so many in New York, or are they important enough? And well, of course, he has jurisdiction over Wall Street and over the trading firms, and any trade that goes across the New York Stock Exchange is within his jurisdiction. I think we had a lot of them because he found networks, and he very rigorously and systematically followed the network. It's like pulling on a piece of yarn, and eventually the whole sweater unravels, and he got all of those people. Uh, this case is important for a number of reasons. It's actually going to significantly change FBI and prosecutorial behavior because the judge was very upset very angry with the leaking that the FBI agents did to the major media, including the Times and the Wall Street Journal. And until two weeks ago, we didn't know whether he was going to dismiss the case because of that misconduct. He has instead ruled that the government should pursue and investigate and possibly prosecute the FBI agent. And I think that means for the future, the FBI isn't going to be quite as free and easy sharing their files with the major media. So that, that's a change right there. Well, we look forward to talking to you both again as this trial progresses. That's John Coffey, professor at Columbia University Law School, and Adam Pritchard, professor at the University of Michigan Law School.